0: going ladies, what's going on? I've recently been recording a series of videos/slash uh, trainings for body part specialization. So, if you haven't already picked up my body part specialization guides, those are getting a facelift. Those are getting uh, some videos added to them. I thought I would take some time today to record uh, just a deep dive into leg training because, you know, at one point, uh, my legs were pretty great and I had a lot of insight into leg training. And, um you know, I was obsessed. I'll be straight with you, like. There's no getting to the level that we get to as professional bodybuilders without uh, either incredible genetics or maybe incredible genetics and relentless obsession and persistence. And from the day that I stepped in the gym, literally, I think within the first month, maybe even sooner, I was obsessed. And I didn't know that I wanted to be a bodybuilder, but I knew that I wanted to be uh, really good at what I was doing in the gym. And I don't know where that came from. I, I think it's made me feel really good. Uh, and I hope everyone listening, if you're listening to this, you probably do enjoy training. And if you don't realize that it's not a genetic thing. It's not like just a character thing. It's not an identity thing. It's not a you thing. It's just you haven't learned how to love it yet. And you can absolutely curate exercise to, be able to love it. And I think the thing that set me apart in leg like training was there's certainly times when I didn't love it, but I was so upset. Maybe, maybe there was some degree of Um, Just wanting to be be great and wanting to not be terrible. (laughs) I think it was like, I put so much, I guess, pressure on myself to be the best or or at least get to the level of the the goal that I set for myself. That, you know, it's anything less than excellence, anything less than my personal best every day. And, And that doesn't mean breaking records every day. That means just giving my all every workout. It's just not acceptable. And if you if you know anyone who's trained with me, not now, but then, and maybe now too, there's just a level, there's a gear that most people don't understand. I think most people don't understand, not because they're not capable of it, because they don't have a desire or they don't have a need to do it. So for me, I'd say it was a need. I say it was some level of, I don't know if it was inadequacy because I always believed in myself, but there was something in me that just was like, I need more. I just need more. And without that, I don't think you're going to get to the level of what you want in anything, right? Whether that be financial, whether that be relational, whether that be physical. I just wanted to see what I was made of. I think there's missing in our society and I think there's missing overall, like even guys I train with now, I'm 42 years old, I've been retired for seven years and I'll still whoop the ass of 90% of the guys that I train with. And I don't say it's a brag, but I think it's just a mindset of like, if you want to get something great, you got to dig in, man. You got to be willing to get uncomfortable. You got to be willing to just say, I'm going to go. I don't know how I'm going to come out. I don't know what it's going to feel like tomorrow. I don't care what it's going to feel like tomorrow. I'm just going to keep going and see see what I'm made of and and develop my character, and develop my personality, right? I'm overcoming my fears and becoming something, right? And I think this is missing in our culture. You have a lot of people who are very confused. You have a lot of people who are very you know, the absence of masculinity, not everyone obviously, but and I think masculinity comes through forging the the character in the deepest fires, right? The, the hardest metals are forged in the, in the hottest fires. And I really hope that if there's dads listening out there, that you learn to, to, to walk the line, right? To toe the line of developing yourself as a leader, for your for your children, for your boys, for your girls, for your wife, for your partner. And realize that it doesn't come from what you say. It comes from what you do. It comes from who you are, right? I often will say that my children and all children hear nothing of what you say and see everything of what you do. And so while that wasn't a consideration to me when I was competing for me, when I was competing, it's definitely looking back on it now, I'm being like, yeah, that's that's what set me apart. And I'm gonna get into some tactics around like what you need to be doing to build your muscles. But uh, I would say that without the right mindset going into changing your body. And listen, if your goal is putting on five pounds of muscle, then do that. And if your goal is putting on three pounds of muscle, then do that. But it doesn't matter if your goal is just like, yeah, hey, I just want to be in shape, or I just want to be fit, I just, or I just don't want to be fat. And those mindsets are obviously very polar, uh, as far as polarizing. And, you know, ones like I don't, want the, I don't want something, the avoidance of something, versus what I do want. And you know, psychologists would say that both of those are are valuable. And I didn't want to be embarrassed. I didn't want to be second ever. (laughs) But I certainly wanted a lot of stuff. And I think using both of those, like running away from a stick and chasing a carrot, are necessary parts of success in our pursuit. Gosh, and I don't know why I chose bodybuilding or bodybuilding chose me. I had a lot of pain as a child. Not necessarily physical pain, but a lot of emotional pain. I was a very, I had very big emotions. I talked to my son now. My son's got very big emotions. And uh, he's, you know, he said to me the other day, like not the other day, a couple months ago, but he said, honey, I mean, why are they there? I'm like, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. And, but, you know, trying to say that that's your gift, that's our connection to ourselves. It's, I, I call it my soul, right? It's my soul talking to me. And my soul is a powerful soul. And I hope each and every one of you, doesn't mute the voice, doesn't mute the emotions, but instead leans into the emotions and says, what are these, what are these emotions telling me? What are they where are they leading me? And you know, this obviously is not meant to be a spiritual conversation, but it always is. It always is, right? If you're someone who's just focused on the X's and knows the tactics, there's gonna be something missing for you, right? You could you can go as fast as you want in one direction and you're gonna get there and be like, oh, this isn't what I wanted right? This isn't where I want to be. And uh, it may be where you want to be. It may, You may be accomplishing the goals you want, but it may still be empty for you. It may still not have the fulfillment that ultimately we all aspire to as humans. And so I encourage you on this journey that you're on to spend some time with not only the path, but the purpose of the path. Why am I on this path? Why is this important to me? Because a lot of times it's it's some level of inadequacy and, and overcome. That's okay. Listen, I don't think there's anything wrong with overcoming your inadequacy. I think it's actually important to, as a man, I, I can't speak for women, but I think it's important as a man to overcome that inadequacy. So you develop a belief in who you are you start to know who you are, right? Who are you in when, when the fire starts to get really hot and he's just like, no, it's okay. And who are you when you set a goal and you say, I'm just doing this or I'm not doing this. And uh, that's ultimately what's gonna set us apart. So now that I've got through this psychological piece, or at least a really small fraction of the psychological piece, I'll dive a little bit into the tactics. So not everyone obviously is born to build a ton of muscle, but you're born with what you're born with, and you must. You owe it to yourself, you owe it to your ancestors, to make the most of what you got, right? You're a delta hand. And I often talk about this reality that you're the best of the best of your ancestors. You're the strongest of your ancestry, right? Because I, f- I forget the statistic. You guys can look this up, but it's like before the before the 1800s, I think it was like 1805 or something. Something like, I forget, gosh, I'm going to bastard. This, this, this stat, I should have pulled it up, but I wasn't planning on using it. I think it was something like 40% of people died before the age of five, very, very high. And so that tells you, well, first off that's survival of the fittest and maybe it's circumstantial and and maybe it's genetics and, you know, maybe it's science or or medicine, right? But your, your ancestors survived. And that means they had strong enough genes to resist bacteria and strong enough genes to be uh, probably starving for a lot of their life and strong enough genes to overcome wars and, fights and probably being beaten senseless and still being positive, positive enough and attractive enough and strong enough to sustain what they were exposed to. And so now we look at our genetics and you say, well, man, I'm the strongest version of the last thousand generations. Stop fucking making excuses around what you can't do and start moving toward what you can and make that better and better and better every day. day. all have some Excuses around what we can and can't do, so clearly I was I was built to be big, right I was built to be big. My bone structure is remarkably large, right So enough doctor sorry Francis hallway came on the podcast and talked about you know how I actually measured my bones my bone structure. and he said, my bone structure, as far as the thickness of my bones, is as rare as someone who's seven feet tall. I just because like the size of my bone structure is just very big. Right, so even now, being retired for seven years, I'm 240 pounds, trying to keep my weight down. Right, if I if I train hard and eat three times a day, I go up to 265 or 270 in three to four weeks. People don't believe that. I'm like, oh, your genetics are amazing. Like, no, genetics are not amazing. Probably to be strong, I would say I have good genetics, but my body's been there. My body wants to be big. My body loves to train and hard. And obviously, my bit my physical capability is very high because I spent 25 years building physical capability. And that's a really big part of what I teach at Muscle Intelligence is, guys, if you want to learn how to play the piano that is your body or the instrument that is your body, it just takes time. You you have to invest in, in precision of movement, precision of what you do. So not everyone's built to, to build massive legs. Not everyone's built to build massive amounts of muscle. However, you are built to be the best version of yourself. And so Regardless of what you think you're capable of, or what you, what your belief system says you're able to build, as far as leg training, or as far as back or chest or whatever, you can make the most of what you got. Or right? You may never be a Mr. Olympia competitor, but you can be an incredible, incredible version of yourself. And that's really what we're after, right? We want to be the best version of ourselves, so that we can, you know, be a lighthouse in this world and be like show show other people what's possible, or at least a love. Uh, walking into gyms and being around people who are just like, just specimens. So I was like, yeah. Yes. Thank you for showing me what's possible. Right. So many people out there put people down who are jacked and ripped and strong. Like, why? Why do you put them down? Why'd you, why are you doing that? Who fucking cares what they're doing it. Take inspiration from it. And so. Let's put all our excuses behind us and, and our mindset stuff behind us and start walking through some tactics here. So, leg training is a joint by joint vertical translation of force through the ground, right? So, we're trying to, to you know, we got this load on our back and we're trying to translate force through the ground, through this bar and, or whatever's on our back and move it. And so, there's a lot of stuff between my feet or even potentially the floor, because there's something often between my feet and the floor, which is shoes. And expressing as much vertical force transfer through the ground as I possibly can. Now, mechanically, uh, everyone's different, right? Everyone has different length levers. Everyone has different size joints. Everyone has different length muscles. If you're someone who has long upper legs and short lower legs, squatting, conventional squatting for you is going to be difficult. For someone who has long lower legs, relative to the upper leg, conventional squatting fuse can be easy, and fun. So people who are the best squatters will almost always have shorter femurs than do long bottom legs. But here's the thing: height doesn't matter. I was squat- squatting with Hapthor um, Bjornsen, the strongest man. You guys may know him as the Mountain on the Game of Thrones. And he's six foot nine. At the time, he was four hundred plus pounds, four hundred forty or some crazy thing, and uh, he squats the kind of newborn baby. Because his femurs are shorter than his lower leg, his lower leg is longer. Like his from his knee to the floor, his knee to his heel It's incredibly long, it makes him a very good squatter. And so he's able to squat with a more vertical spine. He's able to squat, you know, and kind of keep between the center of mass without having to throw his, his hips way back. You know, someone's got long femurs. Even if it's short, got long femurs relative to your leg, you're gonna throw your hips way back, and you're gonna you're gonna often identify as someone doesn't squat well. Which is not true. So uh, you can very easily throw a heel wedge under your heels and change the relative proportion of the lower leg, to the upper leg. So there's nothing wrong with putting a heel elevation under your under your heels. It's just changing the proportion of your lower leg to the upper leg. And so, regardless, and there's other ways to change the relative proportions as well. Right? Changing the width of your stance can change the orientation of your spine a little bit as well, or the orientation of your yeah your spine to your Upper leg. The way I look at squatting now, and the way I encourage you to look at squatting, or, or you know, squatting as being as a, a metaphor for all leg training, right? Because if you can squat, you can do them all. Um, the goal should be, regardless of where you think you are, what how many back pains, injuries you've had. I think the goal should be: Well, I want to be able to squat. And, if, and again, if you've had like back surgeries or something like that, then it's probably never going to be a good idea. But I think the goal should be: Well, when I'm 90, I want to be able to sit on the toilet unassisted. So, how do I squat with some? degree of a neutral spine and uh, you know enough hip mobility to get into that position, enough knee mobility, ankle mobility to get into that position, and enough spinal control or spinal strength to at least first, uh, above all, resist my body weight and then progress that. right. And so if you think of squatting as a joint by joint exercise, rather than looking at the big picture, look at it joint by joint and go, well, what's my ankle doing? What are my feet doing? What is my knee doing? What's my hip doing? What is my spine doing? And which of these right now in this moment, is my weakest link? Now, a weakest link can look, be looked at in two ways, right? There's a mobility component, also three three ways, maybe, and maybe four. There's a mobility component. What can I access? Right? Can I get all the way to to the to the extremes of the range and, and like maybe maybe they're different left to right, which is obviously going to cause problems, cause some rotational components. Can I get enough range to even get to the bottom of what would look like a squat? If I can't start there, start improving your mobility. Mobility is not an expression of stretching. Mobility more often is an expression of of strength and and stability. And the second, so after mobility, we look at stability, which is like positional control. And so if I go to the bottom of the squat, can I stay there for an extended period of time? I think we should all set that as a goal for ourselves. Wake up every day and and sit in the, in the base of a squat for five to ten minutes. And teach your muscles to be strong. And don't just sit there passively and let yourself relax like a wet noodle. Like s- sit into the position and be strong muscularly. Drive your quads, drive your glutes, keep your abdominals tight, breathe deeply down into your diaphragm. Right. And so, like all these things I'm saying requires a very high degree of psychological presence, mindfulness, right? Mindfulness. What do you mean by what are you saying? Mindfulness. Yeah. Exercise is, is an exercise in mindfulness and mindfulness slash meditation. Uh, is, you know, exercise in my mind is an exercise in mindfulness, just as meditation is. So if you're even if you're someone who's sitting at home saying, I can't meditate, start. Start. And being able to pay attention to what each joint is doing, what each muscle is doing, what your breath is doing, uh, what your what your exertion is doing, what your face is telling you, what your mind is telling you, all of this information, all this sensory information is so important during your training right and obviously if you if you have max weight on your back you're not thinking about anything other than like i need to get this thing off my back ready right, to make sure i get out of this exercise but on your warm up sets and, and everything else there should be a very high degree of, of psychological awareness depth of awareness into how to make this more effective for yourself remember if your goal is building muscle uh, then you got to be present. You got to think about, I need to make sure that I'm challenging the right muscles. Like and the way we know is like, stop. Say, what do I feel? Right. If I'm at any point in a exercise, I should be able to stop and say the muscle I'm trying to work is actually the thing contracting. And so sit with that for a minute. And, and you know, eccentrically and concentrically is the muscle I'm trying to work working. Right. And so by the end of this podcast, I'll, I'll talk to you a little bit about sets and reps and stuff as well. But first, I want to walk you through some of the intangible stuff, some of the stuff that you know, to be honest, I'm uniquely capable of teaching because all this, the science out there is teaching you um, tactics, teaching you sets and reps and stuff is very important, but people will never build muscle to the level that they're capable of simply paying attention to sets and reps. We all hear people, you know, uh, shit talking the claims that I make. Hey man, we can put 15 pounds of muscle on in six months. Yeah, for sure. You can put 16, 15 pounds of muscle on in six months. But first, you got to lay this foundation. So how committed are you? And listen, it sounds like a long road, but it's not. It's not hard. It depends how committed you are, how disciplined you are with the execution of this stuff. So once we start looking joint by joint, so we look at foot, you know, pronation, supination, we look at ankle, dorsiflexion, we look at knee, do you have rotation at your knee, do you have flexion extension at your knee? Do you have enough hip flexion, hip extension, rotation at at the hip? If you don't have any of those, you're never going to squat well. So start breaking the squat down piece by piece, and saying, "Well, which one do I need to is- to train in isolation?" So the way I talk to coaches about this is like, I want I want to look at the the whole integrated system, body, and if I can't do the thing that I want to do, then the only way to logically correct it is to look piece by piece. Like if you're driving a car and you go, "Hey man, my car's not working." They don't fix the whole car, they fix the part that's broken. And that's the same thing in your body. And you go, okay, well, which which piece is not working? And how do I make that thing? At least one, first able to do what I'm asking it to do. And then second, how do I make it a more high performance version of what I want it to do? So guys, regardless of your age and, and your history and your circumstance and your bullshit excuses, you can do it, right? You can do it again. We all have challenges, right? And there may be limitations and sometimes injuries, past injuries definitely cause problems. I'm right there with you. <laughs> right there with you. I got some bumps and bruises along the way. Almost none of them from training. Yeah, so once you start breaking down joint by joint, you say, can I do Can I do what I need to do? And that maybe requires a mobility practice and maybe that requires a stability practice. Then we start going, well, do I have the skill to coordinate movement from the bottom to the top and the top to the bottom of this exercise You know, with control? And that skill is really the Sequential coordination of muscle contraction, right? Is, are they contracting the right sequence? An example of that would be at, on a deadlift. Do you kick up your butt first and then stand up, or do, does everything kind of contract at the same time? So obviously, one being more effective than the other. No, they're not right versus wrong. I think so many coaches go, "Ben, with how much you know and how much you train, do you look at do you look at people in the gym and just like shake your head?" And the answer is no, because everything has degrees of effectiveness, including the way I train, right? Like, including the way I train now. So I'm doing my look at like, oh, why is he doing that? It's because it's what's right for me right now, um, but it may not be perfect, right? It may not be perfect. I'm just doing the best version of my, what I can right now. And this is a really important concept, right? It's kind of uh, acknowledging what my body is capable of doing right now and what Tom Purvis would call your current settings. Um, Tom Purvis from RTS would call your current settings. And like, what, what, is that? what is my body telling me? And, and I need to obey that, right? we want to obey what I call the law, of active range of motion, what can my body actively control? There's an active range, there's a passive range. And sometimes people don't pay attention to that. I think it's a law. I think you, if you wanna build muscle, you pay attention to your range. Now I'll give you an example. My knee, it has been just a mess for about six months and was getting so much better. I hurt it. So I broke my toe, in 2010, long story. And then I hurt my knee real recently doing some running, which was stupid. Not the running was stupid, but the way that I was doing it was stupid. And I couldn't bend my knee past 20 degrees. And I was like, okay, well, I want to squat. Squatting is my forever goal. And so I couldn't bend my knee past 20 degrees. So what should I do? Should I just squat? No, that would be stupid. I have to stay within what my body is capable of and obey my body. And my body will get stronger. My body will say, okay, we're getting, we're good here. We can get stronger, right? So limitations in exercise, limitations in mobility, limitations in strength, and, and ultimately the absence of mobility and flexibility. Is weakness. It is literally weakness. So if you're if you're lacking mobility or you're tight, because you're weak, bottom line. There's no other explanation, right? You don't lack flexibility, you lack strength. So get that around, get your head around that, right? If something is tight, like your hamstrings, it's because your hip flexors or in your quads are weak. There's no other answer. So when you find a position of weakness or a position of tightness, your goal is to move toward it, not move away from it, not even to stretch it. I think stretching it is, feels good, but in general, for the most part, a relatively futile uh, endeavor. I love to stretch. I stretch every day, but I don't expect anything of it other than to change my nervous system's uh, sensitivity. I want my muscles to be able to, like, I, I want to be able to mentally go to those positions. It's not a physical thing in most cases, it's mental. Again, I won't get into that, but, well, yeah it's a long conversation to understand the sep- the difference between what your body is experiencing and what your brain is experiencing. So if I feel something as, yeah, there's there's a lot of research on pain science that like your your knee might be perfectly healed, but your brain still senses the pain there because it's used to the pain being there, but the knee itself is completely healed. So you have to train yourself to overcome the trepidation, psychological trepidation so once we figured out this joint by joint capability, physical ability, joint by joint, then we can start going, okay, well, let's let's load this thing. Because now I can control my body weight, right? That's ground zero. Ground zero for for physical capability and light training. is like, I got to control my body weight. And guys, just because you can move into a motion doesn't mean you control a motion. So start by saying, okay, could I go in one inch increments in both directions? Start there. And and that could look like a squat. That could look like a lunge. That could look like a leg extension. That could look like a, a leg curl. But like, can, can I like get all these muscles doing? It, it could be a, a hip flexor exercise. And then, but I want to say, can I control every inch of every rep? And and it's not easy. And this is why I took up yoga. Right? Yoga for me is not an exercise in stretching. Yoga for me as an exercise in. Calming my mind when it wants to be racing, calming my mind when it wants to be chaotic, calming my mind when uh, my brain wants to be tight. And uh, you put yourself in really uncomfortable positions that are, you know, atypical, and saying, "Hey, man, calm down." Okay. So once you've figured out this joint by joint execution, then we start going. Okay, I'm going to put some weight on this, and and remember that stability is different. With zero weight, you know, body weight plus zero, uh, than it is with body weight plus 10 pounds, 20 pounds, 30 pounds, 40 pounds. And so is skill. Those things have to be earned. The ability to put 10 additional 10 pounds on your body has to be earned, meaning just because you have perfect squat form or perfect any form with zero weight, you know, body weight plus zero, doesn't mean it's still going to be there when you put body weight plus 10, 20, 30, 40 pounds. It, It has to be earned. So every single Attempt at a progression weight should be passing through the the lens of, am I doing it really really well, and if I'm not, well, then don't right. And this is like, can I make the muscle I'm trying to train actually do the work right? So the goal is to here to challenge muscles, not simply to complete repetitions. So if my goal is challenging muscles, I say, okay, well, I want to contract this thing, and this is now getting into some of the stuff that I teach on my body part. Specialization videos. I don't get into the psychology and start with stuff I started with at this point. But now we start getting into the tactics and we start saying, okay, well, every muscle in the body has two ends, and all it does is pull one end closer to the next. Think of an elastic band. If I stretch an elastic band and I let it go, it's going to pull directly in the in the direction of that other end. And that's what muscles do. And you have this this elastic energy, this kinetic energy. that When you stretch a muscle, you get this stretch reflex, then then ultimately pulls the muscle back to its to its short position, like the you know, the relaxed you know, elastic band, so to speak. And so we would say, okay, well, how can I do this? But can I do it intentionally with control when my brain actually contracts into something and, and it contracts harder? And so I am if I'm, if I'm putting, say, 10 pounds on the leg extension, just because of this nice easy thought of a single joint exercise, my brain is only going to exert exactly as much uh, output, force output as it needs to to overcome the weight that I'm asking you to overcome. So if I have 10 pounds in there, the body may use 12 pounds of force because it has to overcome 10 pounds. That's an arbitrary number, but it has to overcome 10 pounds. And so if I can't overcome 10 pounds, then that's exceeding what my body can do in that moment. And uh, then I have to, that's where the, this obeying what my body can do. Because if you can't do it with, you know, this 12 pounds of force production, your body's going to start using momentum and start using other muscles, right? Well, I can throw this thing. I just saw a guy in the gym the other day and I just wanted to hit my head against the wall or maybe his head against the wall doing like probably 50 or 60 pound dumbbell curls and never once did his bicep contract, right? And he did 20 reps or something, 10 reps a side. And I was like, dude, do you feel that at all in your biceps? He was a big dude and like, you know, no bicep development. And I know this because I was there too at one point, listening to all the mindless banter of of the mindless monkeys slinging weights from point A to point B. Again, I don't say that in a rare way, but it's true. It's like slinging weights around trying to figure out how to use this thing. Whereas if you said, hey, man, stop. Contract your bicep. Now contract your bicep as hard as you can, and now put resistance against that. Okay, now that's different. It's a little bit of a different experience. So if you're sitting there at home, or your car or you haven't listened to this listen stuff, stick mm-hmm. your arm out. Stick your arm out straight with your elbow straight. Contract your bicep as hard as you can, but don't bend your arm. Right Now, contract harder, contract harder, you're going to feel the bicep wants to contract. In fact, the tricep starts to contract back so that it's like a tug of war going on between the bicep and the tricep. But now the bicep has to win the tug of war, so you have to squeeze even harder and the tricep lets go just a little bit, but the tricep is actually giving you internal resistance. There's a tug of war between the bicep and the tricep. If you keep squeezing through that bicep, the tricep has to let go. The tricep is coordinating this lengthening, this passive lengthening of the tricep so the bicep can actively contract. same thing's happening when you do any exercise. There's this coordination of movement because both ends of that joint need to be stable, right? If if one end is moving, then you don't create any force. So you have to create this internal tug of war that ultimately allows you to create the greatest amount of stability at the joint. And that's what all exercise is, is an internal tug of war that is kind of um, balancing joint forces as much as possible to allow you to continue to move. So when it comes to squatting, what I want you guys to work on is, um, hey, can I... You know, ultimately, what you're doing, trying to do one single thing. Well, up to this point, we've talked about, you know, building the capability, building the physical capability. Now, the next kind of single thing, maybe, maybe there's two things you want to do is I want to put my knee joint, specific where the quads are trying to, or crossing, uh, through as much force as I possibly can handle uh, over the entire range of motion. So from full knee flexion on the way to full knee extension. And I'll ultimately, and I said the other thing is full hip extension, full hip flexion to full hip extension which is like pulling my knee to my chest and then extending it behind me. So those two joints are the only ones you're really concerned with. Everything else is like stabilizing, right? So if I want to put as much force as I possibly can through the knee and the hip, well, it's how far can I get those joints to move in a controlled fashion, and how much muscle can I get to contract? How much can I get my muscles to contract from every aspect of the joint range which ultimately is variable, right? I'm not as strong in certain points as I am in others. So we need to learn how to select exercise as well to most effectively challenge muscles relative to what they're currently capable of doing, right? And yes, we wanna exceed what they're currently capable of doing, but we don't do that with weight. We exceed what they're currently capable of doing with time, maybe distance, and the third one is gonna be, you know, I think is probably volume, and the fourth one then would be load, right? Um, so time would be your first variable of progress, and then distance. And I'm not going to get into that. But then we can progress volume, and finally, the last mode of progression is load, because when you when you change the load and your body can't physically lift it, you're left with no choice but to cheat. So it's not that we don't progress load; it's just it's not one of the first few variables. So there's so many things you can progress before you ever progress the resistance. Uh, and and as you've seen up to this entire point in in this conversation the biggest opportunity for progress is not more weight. It's actually more specificity, more precision in the way that you move. And then once you've kind of figured all of these pieces, then it's saying, well, I'm trying to put as much weight as I can. And now my brain goes, "Ah, I don't want to do that. My brain goes, nope, that's too hard. My brain goes, "Ah, that burns are going to stop. Or some other part of your body will break down first. As an example, if you're doing a squat, maybe your spine starts to compress, maybe your spine starts to flex forward and you can't continue to transfer that force through the ground, through the bar. So it's a very, uh, there's a lot, right? Everyone's like, man, just give me the sets and reps, bro. I'm like, dude, if you want to do something exceptional you have to do it at a level that no one else is able to do it, that's the reality and guys, Encourage you, even if your goal isn't to be an amazing bodybuilder with an amazing physique, do something. well, man! Like your body is your gift, and your body is doesn't matter. The way you look should only be an expression of the way you perform. It shouldn't be your primary goal, in my opinion. Again, if you're young and you're in your twenties, you're like, yeah, I want to look good, cool. And you're in your thirties, fine. But at some point, you're like, man, I just want to train like a fucking animal, so that my body looks and expresses that way. That's it. An animal doesn't mean just working hard, right? Working hard is bullshit. Working hard like an idiot, like just slinging weights is not hard. What's hard is is this balance between this mental game where you're actually having to do things in the hardest way possible and effort, right? So the way that I train, the way that we train, train with intelligence, we'll say, is really mentally challenging. This is why most people don't want to do it right? This is the bro game, right? Bro, just fucking lift. Oh man, that's stupid. Like I want, a, I want a mental challenge as well as I want a physical challenge. And the mental challenge doesn't exist in overcoming your desire to stop. That's only one small aspect. How about that opportunity to be present, ultra present, and actually make things hard, right? One set to me is not the same as what set one set to you. Even if we're using the same weight, why? Because I'm putting so much more psychological effort through something and contracting so much more internally than most people. And you're getting so much more out of a single rep than if you're just mindlessly slinging it from point A to point B. And so three sets of eight is no longer three sets of eight, right? Three sets of eight for person A is not the same as three sets of A for person B, because they're not doing the same thing. Even if on the outside, it looks exactly the same. It's never the same. And this is the difference between guys who put on huge amounts of muscle in short amounts of time with no with no need for you know again I'm not against anabolic assistance I'm not uh, I think it's a bad idea for a lot of people to because most people just do it stupidly but guys if you're over the age of 35 if you listen to our, our testosterone summit series they talk about man if you're over 30 35 you probably want to be supplementing with testosterone right because your quality of life is probably diminishing and the. BS that we're sold about all the negative health implications is just bullshit. It's all been refuted, right? If you're taking an excess, sure. But your bigger problem is your fat. Bigger problem is you're not training. Your bigger problem is you're eating like shit. Your bigger problem is you're sleeping like shit. That's a much bigger problem than 150 milligrams of testosterone a week. Reality, right? Now it's like, oh, you're cheating. No, you're not. You're augmenting your natural capabilities, man. Like, if you had the same testosterone as you did when you're 21, go nuts. Stay there. But if it's getting worse every year, why? why? I don't understand. I don't think it's like a, a moral conversation at that point. I get it. Like If you're competing in a sport or something, that's, that's a different conversation. But if you're just like, hey, man, I just want to feel great. I want to be at my best. Then in no way, in my opinion, is taking testosterone cheating. I think it's just, you take supplements as a supplement. It's like adding in that extra ability to recover because it's not making you work harder. Maybe. I'll be honest. Maybe it makes me work harder. On the days when I take my testosterone, I could probably honestly say I have a little bit more. Right. I have a little more uh desire to run through walls and break shit and, and work hard and a little more motivation and dopamine. But it's not gonna it's not gonna do the work for me, right? It's gonna help me recover a little bit faster, maybe makes it a little stronger. It's not gonna do the work for me. So again, I don't want to make this a moral conversation. Guys, if you're young, if you're 18 years old or something, don't do testosterone, man. And I, I just know my kid, my stepson's gonna come to 16, and he's gonna come to me soon and be like, hey, I want to do ter- testosterone. No fucking way, man. Not until you're 25, 30, like, no, you don't get to do it because your testosterone's just raging. Eat more food, learn how to train correctly. So let's get into some more stuff. So if you want to build big legs, your goal is I gotta take this knee joint through its full range of motion. And I got to make it as hard as I possibly can, as heavy as I possibly can, but I got to do it consistently and not allow the tension to leave, not allow the tension to leave my quads, right? And this is the thing: your body wants the tension to get off. Your body goes, "Oh no, let me a little bit out of here." No, 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 and move toward it, right? When I started to move toward my discomfort, when I started to move toward the burnings, when I really started to get results, things started to go really, really fast, you know. And that probably wasn't until 2010, maybe for me, maybe nine, like when I, I got my pro card 2008. And like I really learned how to lean into the discomfort. My body, right? My body just blew up because you know I learned the physical. I developed the physical capability in the first five to ten years. Like I learned how to move well, built coordination, and then really leaned into what I'm talking about now is the, the internal presence and, and moving toward discomfort and challenging muscles and not not simply lifting weights or completing reps. And so, if you can get really good at keeping the tension, moving toward the discomfort, moving toward the tension. Your body's going to grow a lot. So, I would suggest lunges, or some version of lunges or step ups or Bulgarian sports squats, as a requirement in every workout. I think some swim form of squatting should be a requirement in every workout. But now, that, now here's the thing that doesn't mean it needs to be at 100% effort or intensity, not even close. But it should be done frequently. If your goal is like, okay, I want to build muscle, you're trying to do something that's extreme, you're trying to do something that's exceptional. And doing it once a week is not going to cut it. All these bro splits of bro do once a week, fucking wasting your time, man. Unless you're Dorian Yates, who's producing exponentially more effort and intensity than any other human on the planet, you don't need seven days to recover. Bottom line, you just don't. And so all these people out preaching high intensity, I think it's a great idea. Do high intensity for sure, but train the same body part three times a week. If you're doing one set to failure, then train the same body part two, at least two, ideally three times a week, and then you're gonna grow, right? this one time a week nonsense, unless you're taking enormous amounts of steroids, which keeps you anabolic even when you're not training, or you're training like Dorian Yates or Mike Benzer, which you're not, then it doesn't make sense. You need more, one, you may may need more volume, you may not, but you certainly need higher frequency, or one or the other, right? And volume and frequency are inversely proportional. So as my volume goes up, my frequency goes down, but it seems as though if you can actually put a fair degree of intensity into it, doing less volume in a workout and more frequency probably is a better idea. But that doesn't necessarily suit everyone's schedule. So if you can only get in the gym days a week, you should be training every body part twice, right? Do up and lower split or some version of that, you know, posterior, chain, anterior. And uh, train the body's, body parts more often. There's a skill value, I meaning skill acquisition, right? The better you get at riding the bike, the faster you go. That's, that's big. It's not just about getting uh, more physically fit; it's about skill. So, hopefully, this helps. Again, there's a lot of nuance around corrective exercise, and like when when your back starts to hurt, or your knee starts to hurt. There's a lot of nuance there, but I'm not going to get into that stuff certainly on a podcast. Um, but it, it exists, guys. If you have knee problems or hip problems or ankle problems or back problems, like don't think you need to suffer forever. I'll give you an example. Actually, uh, ten days ago, I. I was walking around with a knee that was probably a nine, eight or a nine out of 10 as far as pain. I couldn't walk. I was limping. My My hips started to turn out, outwards. My foot started to turn outwards. felt like, so your And uh, it's so much discomfort. I couldn't walk. I stopped walking. Normally, I walked 15,000 steps a day. And I was walking 2,000 steps, basically like around my house, just sad and painful and borderline depressed. And I went to see my buddy, Eric Seaford, who's been a guest on the show, and, and he treated me once and went from an eight or a nine to a one out of 10. And I was actually thinking like, man, I'm going to get surgery. This is so painful. Like it felt like the joint was, was rubbing. Like it's just rubbing, like it's broken. I'm, I'm going to have to get a surgery. And after one session, I was 90% better. After two sessions, I'm 98% better. I'm not perfect. It's like, it's pretty damn good. But when I was competing, my knees were bulletproof. I'd sit on the bottom with six plate front squats and pause there for, to have a conversation. I was like, how do you do that? I'm like, because I worked up to it. And so I just assumed my knees were bulletproof and they're never going to break, but obviously that's not the case. And yeah, but I just want you guys to know, like I don't say this to brag. I say this to say like, hey man, so there's somebody out there that can fix you. And if you're in, in the Toronto area or, or need to get something fixed, it doesn't matter what it is, shoulder, knee, foot, back, go see Eric. If you're in the Denver area, go see Muscle Activation, Greg Roscoff, or look, go to MuscleActivation.com and find a practitioner near you because I, I put my word on this, man. Like this, this stuff changed my life. And uh, it's the only modality that actually works consistently. Is it cheap? No. Is it effective? 100%. Right? And I, I can give you stories, but Craig's been on and talked about his it. podcast. if you want to listen to his conversation with Craig Roskoff, uh, R-O-S-K-O-P-F, Ruskoff. he's a been guest on the show. Keep your exercise selection simple. Get really good at a small number of exercises. Make sure lunging, some version of single leg is in there all the time. Make sure you're getting fair degree of squatting, even if it's not hundred percent. Squatting, front squatting, back squatting, safety bar squatting, doesn't matter. And, and the next level of, of thought in our exercise selection is whether this exercise is internally stabilized or externally stabilized because an internally stabilized exercise, and as an example, is a squat. Externally stabilized would be like a leg press or high squat, which is a very different exercises. And so that is a big consideration as far as force output. We want to make sure that you know, we're challenging our body's ability to stabilize internally, and we are uh, ultimately getting the greatest amount of force production, which is definitely going to go up when you're doing something that's externally stabilized. I won't get into details here, but if you're interested in this stuff and you want to go a little bit deeper, uh, head over to muscleintelligence.com camps and join me on one of my camps. We're very limited on space. It's very likely to be sold out, but we're doing a lot of dates um, coming up. And so while I'm a huge student of the tactics of exercise, the sets and reps and volume in the research. And the research is saying a you know, 70% load is the maximum, which will base for maximum hypertrophy. And yeah, that's all great. However, if your form sucks, you're not going to get, you're not going to express your your fullest potential. And that might not even be your goal. If you don't want to express your fullest potential, maybe you just want to not feel like shit and that's cool. But if you're doing one rep, why not make the most of that one rep? If you're doing one set or one exercise per day or, or one exercise per week, why not make the most of it, right? Why not just like make yourself a better version of yourself in the process, instead of continuing to always do the things the way you've always done it, why not get better? Like when you read a book, is your goal just to read the book? Or do you actually realize at any age that you can become better at reading? Well, wouldn't it be better to be a fast, like who, who wouldn't want to speed read? You want to speed read and get to the end and be like, hey man, I got 98% retention in this book, rather than have like 10% retention, but go through it quickly. Right, and that's the metaphor I always use is people read a book to get to the end to say they read the book. And they don't retain anything. The goal of reading is not to read the book. The goal of reading is to retain the information, to learn and apply. It's the same in exercise, right? If I get to the end of my workout, I'm like, oh, that's great, right, but I'm only really getting results. That's stupid, right? Yeah, sure, you get some benefit of just simply going in there and not sitting on the couch. But at the end of the day, if you're really uh, a achiever, you're going to say, man, I want to get the most of this. I want to get the most of this. I'm, just, I'm investing my time, my most valuable asset. Most of it. Um few more things. There's no bad exercises. Squats aren't bad. Deadlifts aren't bad. Someone tells you they're bad. They're stupid. There's no such thing, right? Some exercises may not be best for you. There's no, like people just, people like to see things to be sensational, right? Like, oh, no one should ever deadlift. Why? There's people who've been deadlifting for probably hundreds of years, maybe thousands. Dumb. Um, oh, nobody should squat if you're over six foot four. Dumb. I used to work with a guy, uh, I forget his last name, Aaron Reed. His team um, was a beast. He still is. Six foot nine, squats like a baby. He's got long femurs too, squats like a champ. Aaron you shouldn't squat because you're six foot four. Nah, stupid. Um, so, guys, eliminate all the sound bites. You know, one of the things I say when you come to camp is uh, forget everything you think you know and think. Maybe even forget everything you know and feel connect to your body and we'll be better. So I didn't get into too many of the, of the kind of tactics around leg training, but hopefully this was a valuable contribution to your life. Um, I try to share some of the wisdom that I've accumulated over the years and some of the things that I can talk about that maybe no one else in the world is, is suitable or capable of talking about, Right, I could write the best legwork in the world for you. But you're only as good as your ability to execute it. You're only as good as your ability to, to deliver effort and precision. And uh, precision is probably your bigger opportunity, right? Everyone works hard, relatively hard, but nobody does it well. So few people do it well, and I encourage you to do it well and uh, lean in. And if you want some support, uh, reach out to me on uh, social media. We're the best place for you to go right now is we're really going to going to start moving a lot of things into our Facebook group. I don't everyone has Facebook, and I was like, oh I me open it? Man, listen, Facebook's easy. It's easy enough for you to join Facebook. No, I don't support Meta, and I don't support Zuckerberg, but at the end of the day, uh, I support my community, and I want to support you. And so if you're a regular listener of the Most Intelligence Podcast, if you want to get some assets around workouts, pre-workouts, if you want to get some assets around exercise execution, if you want to get some new videos, all that stuff, and so much more is coming into our community on Facebook, And uh, we want to ultimately get everybody in there so we can support you. We can answer your questions. My coaches will get in there and answer your questions. If you're you're ready to take action now and start getting results, you can absolutely uh, head over to muscleintelligence.com slash apply and become, or apply to become one of our coaching clients. We don't work with everybody. We only work with people who are ready and committed to changing now. If it's like, it kind of would be nice for you, then it's not right. Just grab one of our programs, right? They're cheap. We do our best to put up the best programs in the world in an affordable manner that solves specific problems. Uh, I'm going to be finishing a product right now, program. Uh there's two that are coming out. It's. I'm one of them. I got a big smile on my face about because I'm super pumped about it. I'm not going to tell you about it just yet. The one that's coming out really soon is a precursor to that. So you got to get both. You, you'll you'll want to get both. And the first one is what I call phase one, which is ultimately you want to take the first step in, in optimizing your physical capability and your metabolic capability, which is the two things that are holding you back and, and transforming your body. This is the program for you. It's called phase one. We're launching soon, probably in September. Next couple of weeks, we're just putting the finishing touches on it. Um, yeah. Physical capability. What does that mean? Well, I need to be able to move well. I want to be able to run, jump, play, uh, lift, and be strong and ultimately control my body really well. And, and uh, there's a small number of exercises that you should be doing and doing really well. And we're going to teach you all the steps to get there. I've finished recording all the content. It's awesome. It's fun. Um, yeah. Huge amounts of content. Again, you don't have to watch it all, but it, there's there's a lot of resources there for you. Uh, so if you're someone who's serious about getting results, even if you're a coach and you're like, hey, man, I want to understand how to do this stuff more effectively so I can actually teach it, then this stuff is great for you. So gents, ladies, thanks for being here. Uh, shout out to our Muscle Camp, which is coming up soon, musclecamps.com actually, as well as a site that we can go to, uh, or muscleintelligence.com camps, or you can you can apply to work with us. And uh, we'd love to see you. Uh, we do a call every Wednesday night, and um, I call about 90% of the time, so you can ask me questions directly. Uh, thanks for being here. Uh, hopefully this was valuable. It was valuable. Uh, train with one, share with one person you know and love because ultimately I want to spread this message of intelligent muscle building around the world and the thing that I get out of exercising this way goes so much deeper than just my body and it's hard to express that, it's hard to tell you how much it's changed my life, how much it's it's set me on a new path to be present and intentional and on purpose in my life, just, just by using exercise as the ground floor for that but okay, guys, thanks for being here, talk to you soon Pam Muscle Intelligence Podcast, out!